Welcome to the Radical Traveler Podcast, coming at you from Hue City, Vietnam. What's up, everybody? My name is Brad Hirsch. My Vietnamese name is Bao. I've been traveling the world for close to 20 years here. Yo fui a Lima, Peru, como voluntario y aprendí castellano. Desde ahí, decidí que quería aprender la lengua portuguesa. Sería mi próxima aventura. Uchul se kutanghua, uchul a Taiwan y gaye. Uchul y tola italiano, autonomamente paran. Pompai prata tai fukat muy tai leo. And I feel like I'll be here for the rest of my life. My every morning starts with a 2-2-2 plan. Heck, yeah. The biggest secret to success. Happy wife, happy life. I'll be in this beautiful city forever. traveling king. By both name and reputation, I'm excited to introduce y'all to the man himself, Travis King. This man has traversed and tumbled, taking the time to tag a deeper truth of travel. I often view globetrotting as an opportunity to grow. Exactly where you go and what you do is less important than how your eyes were opened, who you become as a person. To build confidence by doing things that are hard, You are forced to be honest with yourself in every conversation. Often this transformation is hard to put to words. I gotta say folks, Travis wrote the number one best travel memoir I have ever read in my life. I read that book before I met the man. He and I are really on the same wavelength and really want to share our travel experiences to help inspire others. I promise this man is one of the most interesting people you'll ever meet. His life experiences brought him around the world for over 10 years. He got into scuba and ultimately became a dive master. He did some commercial fishing on a boat up in Alaska. He did farming all around the world, tending fields, including a dragon fruit farmer in Maui. At one point, he ended up joining some vegan yoga meditation retreats. Moments later, he's making some cocaine in Colombia. And he found himself as a kayak guide in Australia chasing dolphins. His story includes ayahuasca, sex on the beach, guitar playing on stage. I tell you, it's a full rainbow, folks. Everything from enlightenment to ludicrousness. In this episode, we're going to take a deep philosophical dive with the king himself. Our full conversation is 110 minutes long. Now, if this ain't your thing, that is way too long. But if it does spark you, then this is way too short. 
I worked really hard to make this blitz piece for you because I want you to get a solid summary in the key takeaways so you can decide to take the plunge. The only tricky part is everything this man says is highlight worthy. As a couple quick notes, we record in the real world, not in a sound studio. I do my best to make it sound good, but deal with it. You're going to find this man thinks, acts, and talks really fast. Try to keep up. So I've spoke fast my entire life when I have a public speaking gig or something, and I try to slow myself down. First piece of feedback I get from somebody in the crowd. My, my whole life, I've been somebody that, you know, had more thoughts than he could get out. To it, I did want to mention two things to you, dear listener. One, this is Travis without coffee, without tequila, and without fairy dust. This is the calm, slow version of Travis. Further, during editing, I artificially slowed down the entire episode by 10%. In short, this is the slowest you will ever hear the man. I figure that's what makes him a good scuba diver. The man never stops to take a breath. If you're a slower chap, elderly, intoxicated, then please note most podcast players have a 50% speed option. Just saying. These days, he's found himself on the west coast of Mexico, kicking it in Puerto Escondido. I feel like Latin American culture and Mexican culture, people are just open and, and very friendly and very warm and very eager to meet new friends, make new friends, party all night. A lot of people, especially coming from the States, is the cost of living. You can have so much fun here for $10. And back in the States, you can get like a green smoothie for $10. And it's just like, once you adjust and make it your life and not a trip, anything that pays me in USD, basically, I can be fine here because I can cook my own black beans and grab a beer for a dollar at the bar instead of $20 for two beers at the bar, right? So it's, <laughs> it's a whole different world when it comes to just, yeah, the cost of living. Like, I don't even want to tell you what my rent is, Brad. It's, it's just too friendly. We all know that time without a purpose is a prison, folks. This man laughs at the Chinese just lie down movement. He does the opposite. What keeps Travis busy out there? Did he win the game or lose? I guess you'll have to decide. But I live like in my favorite neighborhood and you know, I get to play live music a couple times a week. I can pay my bills in my cute little apartment here in Porto with just playing my guitar a couple times a week. And that feeling, if somebody would have told me that when I was 22 or something, I'd be like, gotta say, I'm not that good. I'm just like entertaining. I'm good enough, right? Where I can entertain a little crowd at a bar. It's so fun though. I've ended up at this point in my life with a master's degree and whatever else, where like now my livelihood is like my guitar, this book I wrote about my travels and whatever else I want it to be, which is like Sprout Consulting, you know, like the remote work consulting stuff that you sell the website for and everything. And then I get to work on new projects in the future. Really, I can put whatever I want into my own future. Like basically, yeah, like design my own life so that I set my alarm when I want every morning so that my day is full of stuff that I want it to be full of. And turns out it's like more full maybe than it would be if I just took a traditional nine to five type <laughs> job. Why is being an expat living abroad doing remote work so darn enticing? Go surf every day, play volleyball every afternoon and, and sit mezcal every sunset and just live like a really great version of their lives that uh, allows them to, you know, be, still be productive, still work, but like come here and make new friends, make new memories, have a great time in Mexico on the coast here with us. So I see that as just continuing to be more and more the future and what it looks like for a lot of people. Because yeah, you don't like, you don't have to stay in the suburbs in the Midwest or wherever you're from if you don't want to anymore. We share some thoughts on defining our own life blueprint. If I take a job with this new master's degree, it's going to be at least a three, four, five year commitment. It's going to be something serious. I can see the house and the kids and the fence already. And I didn't want it. I was like, I don't want that. Like, why am I just like falling forward like a baby with a big head into this future that I don't want? Like, I should <laughs> slow down, take stock and then like, I don't know, do something that maybe feels scary or, or weird, but like do something else and just, I don't know, stop focusing only on my resume and what feels, you know, the most logical thing for my career path. Yeah.
do something for me, do something that feels like scary and risky. And that was nine plus years ago. And now I live in Mexico. So like, I really think a lot of people probably have a lot of those similar thoughts and stuff, but it does take first really like brave step to kind of get off of the blueprint you were handed and to try to start making your own blueprint or try to find another blueprint or whatever. I'm all just about making memories and like doing things that kind of like push you out of your comfort zone or, or make you like pause because that's what's going to teach you. That's what's going to help you grow. It's going to give you new perspectives and give you like a new, more elevated footing for the rest of your life because you have more that you can draw from. Speaking of a few wild experiences. Like I think I have a line in the beginning of the story where like we were in the back of this guy's truck driving away from the city lights into the countryside of Colombia. And I was like, I knew all four of us were thinking like, this is how you die in Colombia. This is exactly how you die. <laughs> but like the guy was nice and he was actually a cocaine scientist and we did actually, we went through with it and it was awesome. Yeah, it was one of my best travel stories for sure. And uh, yeah, definitely one of the stories that made me feel like this book's gonna be good, you know, like when I was writing it. <laughs> it's tales to tell, you know? These aren't just like normal travel stories, these are weird. I applaud those folks with zero vices. Travis, myself, and most normal people are not that way. When talking about alternative lifestyles, drugs included, I ask that you don't be too darn judgmental. How many glasses of wine or cocktails have you put away in the last five years? We all have vices. The goal is to really experience life to its fullest, isn't it? But how can we find a balance? Whatever five vices you're working with in whatever part of the world you're in, whatever year of your life you're in, does sort of work as a rule of thumb, right? Like I could name my five right now, but it would change if I move somewhere else, or I'm sure it will change by the time I reach 40, but I think it is a good scope to keep it in. Like just as long as you can count them on one hand, you're probably okay. And as long as you manage all five of those and, and like take days off and take weeks off or whatever, then I think you're okay too. It was kind of one of those little aha moments I had while writing the book of like, this is basically just true. You know, when I got to Colombia and I was like making my own cocaine and doing cocaine a lot, it just felt like kind of when in Rome, right? Like it just felt sort of normal because I was in Colombia. But like, had I also been like ripping balloons or whatever, like I would do when I'm in Vietnam and I'd also been doing whatever I'd be doing, like drinking as much whiskey as I'd be drinking if I was in Wisconsin, doing all of those things at the same time on top of like the coffee and smoking joints and just regular alcohol consumption, like it would end up as too much. So like, yeah, I pretty much have always, looking back at my adult life, had about a handful. And it's just making sure that it never goes beyond that, really, you know? We discussed some thoughts on learning the local language. And with like the language thing too, it's, I think a big part is just like, you sat in that chair, not just like, I'm gonna feel the breeze and take in Vietnam. You sat down in that chair thinking like, I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna be observant. I'm gonna try to like take some of this to heart and to memory. And it's like that desire piece, I think, even myself, I've been in Mexico and Spanish-speaking countries for, at all up now, like years. I'm surprised still how many people I meet, you know, in Puerto or wherever, wherever I am, who just like really don't feel bothered to learn Spanish because you can exist without learning it. Again, like if you're gonna call another place home or spend a considerable amount of time there, I think it's worth investing some energy. Acknowledge the system of debt slavery, folks. It will steal your dreams. Getting a student loan is normal. Getting a loan yeah. in a house is normal. And Credit cards are normal. And it took me a while to really realize that that is the poison. That is the shackle. That sure. is the foundation of slavery. It's a totally flawed system, I think. <laughs> and, and I think it's flawed on purpose. I think the people at the top of the system, the people in the most power, want us to think like that so that they can put like shackles on us and so that they can keep us in debt slavery. And that's not okay, because then you can't ever have the experience that I've just been lucky enough to have for the last 10 years of like seeing the world and getting to travel and getting to choose to move to Mexico if you want. And if I was just wrapped up in debt, I would still, I'm sure, be somewhere near Milwaukee trying to figure out how to pay off the debt with you know a job that pays me well 
while I'm just spending like all the time not at my job trying to do something that makes me feel happy and alive. It's tough. Like I think it's tough for a lot of people and see that when I see friends in debt. Like I just feel like I wish for you, you never went into debt because it's limiting your options. You know, it's like limiting the rest of your life. So you have to prioritize that first over everything else. The slope is so slippery that eventually you'll be like in the bottom of the canyon dying. You can't let yourself slip further into debt. You have to prioritize it. And then it, it takes away your freedom. It, it just really does. It, it robs you of all the potential that your life has. We've normalized it in American culture, at least. Get a credit card, take a loan out to get a house, take a loan out to get a car, take a loan out, like borrow money and get the stuff that you wanna get. No, like work hard, earn money, and then buy the stuff you wanna get with the money you earned. I just think the whole idea of acting like it's normal is kind of crazy. It's not normal. It's not normal to live outside of your means. Like to me, I've always just thought of it as like live within your own means. So if I'm traveling, you know, in South America or in Southeast Asia, I'll purposefully do everything I can to keep the trip as cheap as possible because I know I'm just going down. And I know that living within my means, say if I think about it for a full calendar year, if these six months I'm going down, the next six months I have to go up so that this year I, I didn't become broker. I want to just make money less and less of a stress in my life, so I need to go up eventually how traveling could change your mentality about money. For me, I'm like so far down the travel, like meet the world, kind of spend your money wisely train. I can barely enjoy being at a hotel. Cause like if a hotel costs a hundred dollars and a hostel costs $10, I can't help my brain from being like, there's no way this is going to be 10 times as fun. It'll probably actually be less fun. And then I'll feel like I got ripped off. And it's not like something I wanted to do in my mind. It's not like something I did on purpose. But once you start to have those experiences, you can't believe how much fun you could have at a $7 hostel, meeting some new friends, cooking a family dinner together. And those things, they just get into your bones. They get into your body and you feel them and you know how much fun $7 at a hostel can be in Colombia or in Thailand or in Bali or wherever you are. And then it's like, if somebody's like, hey, let's stay at this hotel, it's $150. It's, it's a really good deal. I'm like, it cannot be a good deal. It cannot be a good deal. Like to me, it will always make me feel like I'm getting ripped off and taken by somebody that's just trying to like promote some more like luxurious bougie version of life why you ought to get out there and travel more to me i think accelerated memories accelerated friendship accelerated like is for everybody like you can't convince me that that's not for you like do you want to have two weeks worth of memories in one days no i disagree yes you do traveling will give you that i do think whether you're nervous or not or how much you're able to admit that to yourself or not it takes that. You're not probably going to have an epiphany moment just doing the same routine that you've had for the last couple of years or whatever. So I always just try to encourage people to just do new things, try new things. Like It's going to rewire your brain in ways that you don't even necessarily know is going on. But then you'll look back and be like, wow, I've really evolved. You know? Being able to do that is something that will like sturdy any human. If you just know that like I can go to whatever country and I will make new friends and I can even probably get a job or get a volunteer opportunity at least or something. Then you just feel like the world is mine, man. I can go do whatever. Like, What's to make me think anything's not possible, right? And that's something that the travel gave me. And I think my dad finally saw that in me of like, what a cool thing for my kid to end up in his early 30s or whatever, feeling like the world is his oyster and like he can go do whatever he wants in his life. That's pretty cool. The magic of meeting new people as we go around the world. You don't know what's about to happen. You're building the train track in front of the train as it's rumbling down the path. And like, you got to figure out who's going to be a part of your adventure, where it's going to take you and what's next all the time. And that feeling is just like so, so addicting. I travel like intentionally solo. Like I don't like to plan trips with other people. I want to mm. feel like the freedom of traveling solo. And people always say like, oh, you travel solo a lot. Like, isn't that lonely? And my genuine response to that question is, traveling alone is basically like, I show up somewhere and I'm like, how do I become less lonely? Like, like how, how, do I, how do I fix this lonely feeling? So like you said, it's like, how quickly can I make the next travel family? How quickly can I make the next Brian or the next Alex or the next best friend or meet the next Lisa and fall in love again or whatever? That feeling of loneliness will drive you to look across the aisle of a bus and say, hey, where are you from? 
that feeling of making new friends on the road, how effortless that is and how easy that is, and then how like time passes and you're still with those people, then you're like, man, we're a family, like we're a travel family. We've made some of the best memories of our lives together. How easy that is for that to happen is amazing. It doesn't happen if you plan a trip with your three best buddies from high school, because then you spend the whole trip with those three best buddies. Maybe you'll add some characters to the trip, but the trip is gonna be based on that group of friends. If you travel alone, and if you travel on a one-way flight, you don't know what's gonna happen, you don't know who your best friends are gonna become, and you don't even know where you're gonna end up or when you're gonna go home. And those are the kind of trips that I think really, really change lives. Yeah, there's something about traveling that doesn't get covered enough, basically. And it's like when people think about traveling, they think about like the food and the photos and the sites and the whatever. And the thing that I love, about, at least about backpacking as the form of travel is you're gonna come home from an open-ended trip with some of the best friends you never knew you would make, you know, like some, some, <laughs> some new characters that'll stay in your life for a long time, so. Trying to communicate the beauty of our journey with our parents and folks at home. And it took so many conversations and so many years and so much evidence that like, I'm still me. I'm actually a better version of me than I would have been. And I'm living this like free, amazing life that you gave me the foundation to have to pursue this, right? But like, be proud of me, have faith in me, trust me that this is going good. Like I wouldn't keep doing it if it wasn't so amazing. Word is Travis is gonna market a pill version of himself. Yeah, take one tablet and you'll feel like a king. That's a tricky undertaking. Instead, he wrote a book, beautifully titled, Not That Anyone Asked. You just gotta trust yourself and go with your gut. And like, it was hard to publish the book. It felt scary. But then I was like, you know what? I gotta do it. Spent four years writing it. And I believe in what it's saying. At the end of the day, like when you sift through all the sex and the drugs, there is a bigger message here that I think people will get. Not that anyone asked, right? Which is like, <laughs> part of the joke is like, not that anyone asked me to write this book, but like, not that anyone even asked about any of these stories when I came home, when I came back and like, I have really close friends, this amazing family and amazing people that were curious about my trip, but like nobody asked, like it meant so much to me. It changed me, it changed everything about the way I think and feel and everything about the future of my life. It changed everything. And I was never able to explain it to that level of depth besides like this crazy story about when I made cocaine or this crazy story about when I got kicked out of Australia. <laughs> And they make up some of the best laughs in the book, but I couldn't explain what it all was together. And nobody asked me what it was all together. And what it was all together was like totally life-changing and totally, you know, it shook everything to my core and changed everything for the rest of my life. And I just felt like, yeah, I was never invited to share exactly what it meant to me, all the traveling. And so I was like, I think I just felt, it was part of what pushed me to write it down. Cause I'm like, man, I want to share this with somebody, even if it's for my non-existent future grandkids and they can read what crazy grandpa was like. Let's <laughs> write this down for somebody. I got the Kindle version, best seven bucks I ever spent. I used to do a lot of audiobooks, about five a week, so yeah, by now I'm thousands deep. I'm telling you, I know a home run when I see it. Travis's book, Not That Anyone Asks, is easy five stars. Look around, Amazon, Goodreads, everywhere, five stars. It appeals to a very niche crowd of people that are open-minded and really want to learn about the world through the lens of some wild adventures. It better be clear by now, this man's a true millennial. He published this book himself and carves out his own life and his own blueprint himself. Well, that's the summary, folks. The tail end of this blitz, I want to leave you with a short section from the prologue of his book as Travis reads a letter to his king. This man really ought to make an audiobook version of the whole damn book, don't you think? If this quote resonates with you, then get a cup of coffee. You're going to need it. And I really hope you stick around and enjoy the Radical Traveler Podcast, Episode 19, Making Yourself Royally Interesting with Travis King. Dedication to my dad, a.k.a. Bob.
I went out and made myself interesting, Pops. Thanks for the advice. Go out and make yourself interesting was the second most common piece of advice my dad gave my brother and me growing up after wear your seatbelt. My dad claims he was called the Flowmeister in college, but nobody can either confirm or deny this. All we know now is that he is what you would call a bit of a worrier, and has been as long as I've known him. My first few years of traveling were sprinkled with frequent emails from my dad asking, do you ever think you're going to use your master's degree? Aren't you getting tired of all the travel? What's your five-year plan? He wasn't the biggest fan of the choices I was making in my late 20s and early 30s, my pursuit of the uncommon. He wanted to brag about me to his peers and colleagues the same way he bragged about my older brother, Austin, the lawyer and Harvard graduate. My younger son is somewhere in Bolivia, wasn't something my dad felt proud of. It took time, years of actual evidence, for him to know that I would be fine, showing up at Christmas every year no matter how far away I was with some worldly gifts and the same smile, a lifetime's worth of memories to unpack from the latest adventures. He saw I was happy. He softened. It also took some mental gymnastics on his part, I'm sure, pushing past the baby boomer generation's preconceived notions of what success looks like. Those ideas of success weren't mine, and I was chasing a different dream. I didn't want to die in a house with the most toys. I don't think it was one conversation or one photo he saw of me smiling in a foreign country that flipped a switch. I think it was likely the slow and steady stream of evidence, mixed with the sincere questioning of his own assumptions of what a good life and a good job looked like. Whatever pieces contributed to the puzzle he was working on, he eventually finished it. And then he took a step back to see what the picture was. When he adjusted his little Benjamin Franklin glasses on his cute wrinkled face, he would see that the picture formed simply read, Your son is happy and free. He's seen more of the world than most people ever will and it's in large part thanks to you. It would take years and thousands of miles for us to get there, but my dad is finally proud of his son, the world traveler, and that makes me happy. Writing this book made me nervous because I knew he would read it, but I also knew that for it to be any good, I had to be honest, be human, and tell every story. I hope this book makes him proud as well, drug stories and all. I went out and made myself interesting, Pops. Oh, that man, he never knew.